Bad never lasts. Goodness endures. Cherish what endures. Streaming on Anchor FM Worldwide. Eternal Insight starts now. Here's Anthony Marini. Welcome, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to episode number eight of Eternal Insight. As usual, I am your host, Anthony Marinese, and we have got a wonderful show prepared for you today. We thank you, all of you, for joining us on the Anchor FM radio broadcast platform, as well as those who will listen later via podcast, overcast, um, the one that's on Google, I think it's uh, Google Play, Uh, as well as um, Overcast. I think that's the one that I forgot. Either way, you have plenty of opportunities to listen to Eternal Insight, and we're just so glad that you are here. At the outset, we want to remind you that you can follow us on Twitter at insight underscore eternal, and that you can email us with your own Eternal Insights or uh, any ideas for future shows, questions, comments for our guests or for myself at the email address eternalinsight.com. P, as in Paul, M, as in Mary, at secretary.net. Again, that's eternal insight, PM, at secretary.net. Follow us on Twitter at insight underscore eternal. As uh, those of you who have listened before know, or for our new listeners, I'll tell you now, what we do is we start each show with a quote of the day, or a quote of the show that sort of sets the pace for our guest, for what we're going to be talking about. And the quote today comes from... Coach Patricia Landash, the will to win cannot be beat. Again, from Patricia Landash, the the quote is, the will to win cannot be beat. That's what our quote of the day is today. Uh, And before we get even further into introducing our guest and getting to chat with our guest today, we also want to uh, remind you just a little bit about what Eternal Insight is all about, at least the radio portion of the show or the radio portion of the network. Um, Eternal Insight is a network that specializes in publishing as well as in broadcast media. That is this radio show. Uh, We also offer spiritual direction and life coaching services as the three arms of our organization. The radio show, however, is um, a show about living now in the life to come, saying goodbye to all that is temporary, and finally laying hold to what is promised, what endures, and what gives us life to the fullest. Without further ado, we want to introduce our guest for today. She is a survivor of acute pri- promyelocytic, try saying this people, it's, it's really, really, really difficult. Survivor of acute promyelocytic leukemia treated and cured at St. Jude Children's Research Hospital from April to December of 2016. She is currently working towards earning her degree in political science from Millsaps College in Jackson, Mississippi after which she intends to continue advocating for funding for childhood cancer research. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my pleasure to welcome our guest today, and also my friend, Miss Emily Hines. Emily, how are you? Hey, I'm doing great. I'm really happy to be here today. Thank you for asking me on the show. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, we've known each other for a little bit of time now. Um, we're going to tell the guests a little bit later on in the show, um, sort of, how we came to know each other initially and then sort of had our reconnection. But uh, your story is remarkable. Um, It's unbelievable. And um, I really wanted to sort of time this episode with something else that's that's kind of significant to to both of us. Um, I know for sure, to me, obviously, but you've been very supportive about it as well. Um, The book that I've been talking about in former episodes is 
basically now available, that is um, the book Cross of a Different Kind, Cancer and Christian Spirituality, uh, wrote that and uh, will be out on uh, December 22nd on Amazon and bookstores everywhere. And Emily's got um, a little contribution in there in the, in the appendices, um, actually. The second appendix uh, was written entirely by Emily, so we thank her for that. And um, we'll talk a little bit more at the end of the show about um, where you can locate that book if you're interested um, and what help it might do. But our show today is going to be on the eternal importance of perseverance, and of course, as we mentioned in Emily's intro, she is a uh, leukemia survivor, a cancer survivor, treated and cured at St. Jude, as I was some 20 years ago. So getting to have two cancer survivors sit down and sort of just uh, basically get to geek out on our love of St. Jude and our uh, probably far too advanced for our ages or for our lines of work, knowledge of medical science, um, you go through something like this, it will be burned into the front of your mind eventually. So, yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So uh, we're going to just talk with her, and we're going to just dive right in. So um, obviously, Emily, it's so amazing to get the chance to sit down and, and chat with a fellow cancer survivor, um, but not just any survivor. We're, we're bonded because of something that I mentioned just a moment ago. We're both treated and cured at, at the same place, which is the, the Miracle in Memphis St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. I was wondering if you would um, share with our listening audience what your diagnosis was. We mentioned it, obviously, in your intro, but um, just what that diagnosis was and maybe tell people a little bit about what happens with that particular uh, cancer or that particular diagnosis. Well, first I want to comment you did a great job announcing <laughs> it. It is really difficult. It is. I, I mean, you. when my doctors were telling me what I had, I was like, can you repeat that about 100 more times <laughs> that way I can actually say what I have correctly? Um, yeah, so like he said, I have acute promyeliacidic leukemia, um, APL for short, which is how I'll probably reference it throughout the remainder. Mm-hmm. Um, but it it basically takes over your whole body because it is a cancer of the blood, which is also um, what you had when you were younger. Mm-hmm. We have slightly different forms, but um, with my cancer, it's really aggressive. Um, and within about the first 10 days of diagnosis, my doctor... Um, You know, I met him when I got to St. Jude, and I was so critical that I was flown there within 48 hours of my diagnosis, which happened at 1 o'clock in the morning on April 7th of 2016. And at that time, I was 16 years old. I was a junior in high school, and um, kind of the rug was just yanked from under me. And when I got to St. Jude, I had been crying, and my EMTs had told me, you know, why are you crying? You know, there's there's no need to worry. And I said, that's why I'm crying, because I'm at St. Jude, and I know that that means I'm going to be okay. And my doctor came into the room, he introduced himself, um, Dr. Hiroto Anaba, and he told me I could call him Dr. Hiro because he was there to save my life. So already within an hour of being at St. Jude, I had multiple people tell me that my life was about to be saved, which is all you want to hear when you're initially diagnosed with cancer. And um, then my doctor told me that I shouldn't move for probably the next 10 days. I couldn't cry, yell, do anything, any, have any hysterics of any sort um, because I was so critical. And uh, basically my body was taken over by leukemia. 98% of my cells were leukemic. Um, and for those of you who don't know with leukemia, um, it's basically an overgrowth of the white blood cells and it crowds out any form of healthy cells because not only are they white blood cells, which you shouldn't have too many of, but they're damaged ones. So they aren't Mm -hmm. even doing their job properly. Mm -hmm. Um, 
so that that's kind of a cliff notes version of, of what leukemia does and um and my initial time at St. Jude. So she she explained it a lot better than I could or have over the years. I've always just said, hey, more white blood cells than red, and that's about as as far as my medical content on, on that goes. So I am actually I actually understand a little bit more fully now just by <laughs> listening to Emily's explanation. I was very inquisitive. I was 16, and I, just, I wanted to know what was going on. So, I mean, I would sit down with my doctor for hours. Well, see, there's the difference. I was five. I didn't know yeah, what questions yeah. I could possibly yeah. ask. Yeah. Oh, gosh. That's that's great um, in terms of your explanation. Obviously not, not great that you've had to go through that, although the fact that you're talking with us today is pretty great. Um, and yeah. that, so that obviously is a testimony to the life-saving and, and great work that St. Jude does. Um, you and I met initially in my role as um, uh, working with spiritual care there at St. Jude in my, in my role as a chaplain, but our story um, of reconnection was, uh, was quite the tearjerker in a, in a good way. And I was wondering if you would mind sort of um, availing our listeners to that story, telling them a little bit more about how that reconnection happened and sort of how it also emphasized the importance of perseverance. Yeah, so, um, you know, we've almost known each other for two years now. It's incredible. Which is wild. Yeah. Um, and, and as you said, you were a chaplain at St. Jude, and um, you, you had the pleasure of meeting my doctor, actually, when I was starting to form that initial relationship with him. And um, one time Anthony was giving me uh, the Eucharist, and my doctor walked in, and he's um, from Japan, and he didn't understand what we were doing. All he knew is that we were praying and that it was important to us. Mm-hmm. So he had come in and he was spouting off results from, from different tests they had been taking on me. And, and then he realized what we were doing. And he said, oh, you do Jesus thing. I'll do Jesus thing too. <laughs> Came and put his arm around us, you know, and he, and he was going to join us in that no matter what. So I think that's also a testament of, of what St. Jude can do and just how it brings people of different walks of life together. And, and it doesn't really matter when you're there because you're all there for the same thing. And that's the purpose of saving lives. Um, so... Anthony was there for me. I mean, you'd come to see me two, three times a week. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I'd always say yes because you can never have too much Jesus. That's so I always, I always said yes. Absolutely and, true. Um, and then I didn't really go inpatient um, for the rest of my treatment at St. Jude. And uh, at, as I was a patient at St. Jude, um, we have a fundraising and awareness organization called ALSAC, which is the Associated Charities... Uh, um, I think, uh, hang on, American Lebanese, Lebanese Associated, Associated Charities. Charities. Right. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Um, <laughs> and um, they, I formed a relationship with them as well. Hang on, hang on, hang on. We missed we missed the S. Amer- I, I was just spelling it in my mind. It's Amer- oh, American Lebanese, Lebanese Syrian, Syrian Associated Charities. That's it. <laughs> I'm sorry. We were going to get there. We were right. going to get there. Just took some teamwork. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's all it took. <laughs> you know, just a little chemo brain. And, right. And, and we got there. Um <laughs> So <laughs> I began um, being an ambassador for the hospital and getting flown to um, different charity events and fundraising events around the country. And I was blessed enough to be the um, keynote speaker and St. Jude patient featured at a um, event in California, in Palm Desert. And um, we were at the dinner, my mom and I and my sister, and we were just looking for a table to sit at. My mom just chose a table, no rhyme or reason. And she was like, let's sit here. And I said, let's look around. And she said, no, let's just sit here. She was insistent on it. So we sat there and then um, we got to chatting with another couple that was at the uh, table. 
And um, I shared with them my story at St. Jude, and I somehow brought up my chaplain. And, um, and they said that their son had been treated at St. Jude and was being a chaplain at St. Jude. And mm -hmm. I just thought that this was crazy. No way. And I said, what's his name? And they said, Anthony. I'm like, no way this is the same guy. <laughs> no way, thousands of miles from St. Jude, did I meet the parents of the man who brought literally Jesus to me while I was lying with what could have potentially been my deathbed. And sure enough, they show me a picture, and then Anthony and I FaceTime, and it yep. just started this <laughs> relationship. And here we are a year and a half later from that event and two years from our initial meeting and doing right. this podcast. It's wild. It is. It's absolutely, it's absolutely wild. And, and what, was, what was hilarious is I was, I was actually uh, having sushi uh, at the time, <laughs> and then suddenly... Now, now, any of you that know, I mean, I, I love my dad dearly, but any of you that know, um, know that he is not the most technologically inclined person at all. So when I'm sitting there having sushi with, um, it was actually my girlfriend at the time, uh, and I saw a FaceTime call come through <laughs> from my dad, I knew that this had to be important. And so I excused myself, I went outside, I took the call, and then I see Emily's face on the other end. It's not even my dad. And I'm just like, what is happening? This is so <laughs> cool. And then, you know, the stories. And then, and then according, to, uh, according to my dad and, and, and my stepmother and, and Emily even, uh, there was not apparently a dry eye at the table because, I mean, you can't script something like that. So No, it was incredible. That's a, that's a really awesome, that, I mean, that's, that's our anecdote. And that's, you know, just for, for you know, more of your edification out there, listeners, that's, you know, just the type of power that, that the bond um, between cancer survivors and especially those who are, are treated at St. Jude, that's the type of bond that, that happens. I mean, no distance can even separate it. Um, yeah. And that's, it's a, it's a really awesome just story that I, that I felt would, uh, would help sort of set the pace for, for the rest of the show here. And so I definitely wanted to include that. Um, and, and, of course, in uh, the appendix in, in the book, Emily uh, talks a little bit more about that, as well as um, sharing some of her own insights, which she'll probably give um, some Cliff Notes versions of in, in this show um, as well. But, uh, I, again, I can't emphasize enough um, how much I hope you guys will, will uh, at the end of the show, when I talk a little bit more about how you get the book, I hope you will. Um, this is not... Just the same. It's not a shameless plug for me, just as the author, because I get nothing off of it. All of the proceeds from the book go back to um, St. Jude, so that's it's it's very dear to to both myself and to and to Emily. And you can actually read more about um, that story that she just shared with you, as well as some other insights from um, her own cancer experience in that appendix of that book. Um, our next question, Emily, for you is just uh, it's it's about your fascination, almost obsession with all things related to the sun. You know, it's like, yeah. it's like is she a follower of Atman Ra, the sun <laughs> god in Egypt or something like that? No, obviously we're, we're Catholic Christian no, people. Yeah. But, but um, she's always, you know, ever since I've known her, she's, she's loved things relating to the sun. I remember two or three weeks ago uh, I was chatting with her on Twitter and I sent her a link of like this, this metal or this, this necklace or whatever that looked kind of very boho chic kind of, which is kind of her style if y'all don't know her. And, uh, you know, so, and, and, it, and it was a, it was an image of the sun and it, it said, you are my sunshine on it. And I was just like, oh hell, she's going to love this. So, yeah, yeah. so I had to, so I had to send it over to her just, you know, right away. 
Um, so I was wondering if you could just share what what's the story behind your your love of all things related to the sun with with our listeners and and how that's sort of been a uh, a motivational factor for you throughout everything. Yeah. So um, when I was two, my parents um, got a divorce and we've just been very accepting, like everything happens for a reason kind of thing. And I think definitely so, because um, it was at that point that my grandfather really became a father figure in my life. And he just really took over that role and was there for me for my whole life. And my entire time growing up, he, um, he had Alzheimer's and in some of his final years, we started singing You Are My Sunshine together. It's not something that I had always done with him growing up, but it was just a song that he remembered the lyrics to, and we would sing it all the time because truly, I mean, he was my world, and, and being able to, um, he was on home hospice, and just being able to usher him through those final stages of life as he had, you know, helped me in the beginning stages of mine. It was a very full circle where he took care of me for so many years, and then, you know, I spent years taking care of him. So it was it was just this beautiful thing and we'd always sing together and he'd always remember the lyrics and I would always stop. Um, and I would say, please don't take my sunshine away. Um, and, and I'd let him say the, you'll never know, dear, how much I love you because mm. I just loved hearing him sing that to me. Mm. Uh, so I have lots of videos of that, but I digress. Anyway, so um, <laughs> sunshine obviously became very important to me. I, I love just... I think it's also my Catholic upbringing, always thinking of Jesus as the light and there's always light at the end of the tunnel and through battles with depression and anxiety, it was always something that I could turn to. So I love yellow. I love sunshine. I now have a tattoo of a sunshine on my wrist. It's, you know, it's all of these things and now it's my nickname. Everybody calls me sunshine. Um, throughout my cancer journey, it was, it was um, our hashtag because now you have to have one. Just if you're ever diagnosed with cancer, you have to have a hashtag so you can keep up with what people are saying. My um, diagnosis was before <laughs> Twitter. Yeah. Long before Twitter, before anything technologically advanced. So, oh, Anthony here doesn't really have a hashtag, but whatever. No, I mean, I, I, there was a little girl who was 12 and she was diagnosed and I was like, okay, first things first, we got to come up with your hashtag. Like, like you're going to get through this. So we're just going to need a hashtag so we can look back. But um, my hashtag was sunnier days. So it was always, we were working towards sunnier days. And now whenever I give updates, it's we're at the sunnier days. We're here. I'm cancer free for over a year now and just went to my one year um, checkups for one year off of chemotherapy. So it's it's all sunnier days. I'm in college. It's all getting better. So I think just knowing that everything will always get better. And um, I was watching Star Wars with my sister the other day. And, um, the it's, new one? No, I mean, I... I watched all of the old ones and oh, then we good. went to see the new one. But in one of the movies, I couldn't tell you which one because we watched them in three days, but <laughs> um, there's a quote and it says, as, as long as there's light, we have a chance. And it was just a passing comment and I just loved it. I, I obsessed over it because as long as there's light, we have a chance. So that's sunshine. There's also, uh, you know, my, my theological training here, I have to throw this out. There's also the great uh, St. Francis of Assisi, who says that um, all the darkness in the world cannot extinguish the light of a single candle. So we've got, we've got that to focus on in terms of the power of the light, the power of the sun as well. That's um, just, just one of the coolest things that, that I remember having learned about you initially um, was, was this um, attraction to and fascination to 
the sun particularly um, because it, it, you know, it really, for those of you that don't know her, I mean, it's, it's hard to get to know somebody's personality in a, in a 30, 35-minute radio show or podcast, but I mean, like, it, it's such a great, um, it, it's the absolute opposite of a misnomer. It's such, such a perfect, perfect title for Emily because those of you that like know her personality she is radiant she is you know full of sunshine so it just oh, it makes thank you you're, well it makes perfect <laughs> I mean that's why when you initially told me I was like well of course it makes perfect sense. <laughs> so like it just you know it, it just it just flows together it's perfect thank you now um you know you just mentioned how in part of your sunnier days you know you're you're now in college and I know an aspect at least of my own college life was uh, the fact that that I had joined a, a, a great fraternity uh, at CBU where I went. Um, the Tri Delta sorority is a major philanthropic donor and helped to St. Jude across the nation. Uh, they even have a housing complex on St. Jude's campus uh, named after them as well as an entire floor in the patient care center. Um, I understand that you are also um, a Tri Delta yourself, and uh, I was just hoping maybe that you could uh, tell us a little bit more about their affiliation, about the major factors that uh, were involved in you choosing to join um, Tri-Delta. Yeah, uh, so I think a lot of people, um, I, I kind of leave this part out the story just because I want to dive right into that I was at St. Jude, but um, Tri-Delta was a huge um, proponent in getting me to St. Jude. Um, my aunt works in their executive office, and so she's their senior director of special initiatives. And um, she had a conference call the day that I was diagnosed and she got on the phone and she apologized for seeming uh, frazzled or distracted um, and, and apologized to her boss, who's the CEO of Tri-Delta, hmm. and said, my, my niece was just diagnosed with AML um, or APL and, uh, you know, I, I'm very distracted by that. And her boss told her, get off the phone. And she apologized profusely and she said, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to bring personal matters. And she said, no, get off the phone. These are the numbers that you need to call. She needs to get to St. Jude. So um, within 48 hours, I had a transfer, which is which is extremely fast. And it wasn't only because of my uh, dire need to get there, mm. um, but it was it was also because of those relationships that we had within Tri-Delta already. Um, so, you know, I had Tri-Delta women that would come visit me all the time when I was in the hospital that sent me things and... Um, so I, they were instrumental in, in my emotional healing as well as my physical healing going through cancer. Um, so, you know, it, in the on-housing campus facilities called Tri-Delta Place, um, we call it Tri-Delta House in my family because mm -hmm. it, it was a home away from home, you know. Um, and on, on the building, it says a home for St. Jude families. And uh, my first time out of the hospital since I had been diagnosed in the first place that I was out of a hospital room was on the inpatient floor, um, which Tri-Delta sponsored. And, and I remember them, you know, I just remember walking around and, and seeing all the beautiful symbols of Tri-Delta and, and they had held so much importance to, in meeting to me then. And now knowing the true meaning behind all of them mm -hmm. and knowing our ritual, it's even more beautiful and thinking of those things and how they would be a recurring, um, theme throughout all of my treatment. I, I, I really went into recruitment week with an open mind. Um, we have four sororities on my campus and I had two sororities to go to on pref night. Um, and it was Tri-Delta and Chi Omega. Um, and 
every time I walked into the Tri-Delta house, um, I cried. It's because I was home, you know. Um, I had written um, something when I was first uh, chose Tri-Delta, and I, I think it was just a true testament of what they've done for me, and I, you know, I had found home in Ponchatoula, Louisiana, which is where I'm from, and then I found home again at St. Jude Children's Research Hospital here in Memphis, Tennessee, and then I found home again at Millsaps College in Jackson, Mississippi, and then finally on that prof night and, and on bid day, I got to run home yet again to Tri-Delta. So, you know, I just, I, St. Jude isn't the only reason I chose to be a Tri-Delta, but um, I think every woman that you talk to that's in a sorority, she talks about their philanthropy and, and our philanthropy saved my life, so. Which is just the, <laughs> just the coolest full circle journey possible. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, like, uh, wow. Yeah. And I mean, like, for, for those of you who are listening who have had the pleasure of visiting or touring St. Jude's campus, I mean, you will, you will see those three interlocking deltas, the little things that look like <laughs> triangles. triangles. Exactly. <laughs> you, will, you will see those everywhere, particularly, you know, as, as Emily mentioned, on the, the Tri-Delta Place um, housing facility um, and in the, the large, larger Chili's Patient Care Center, um, there is an entire floor on, the, on the, the, the bone marrow transplant floor, in fact, that that's where, that's where the, the, uh, the giant little sort of wall of dedication is that shows where there's every chapter mm -hmm. in, in the, is it the United States or the world? It's the United States, it's, right? It's United States and Canada. Right, yeah, yeah. US <laughs> and Canada. Okay, all right. I was like, I remembered seeing some on there that weren't in the United States. Yeah. Um, and then there's even a walkover uh, or, a, or a sky. The bubble. A sky, yeah. yeah, the bubble, the yeah. sky bridge kind of thing. And the, the interlocking triangles, the interlocking deltas are on the floor. And, the you know, dolphins, yeah. the tridents, the crescent moon, yep, the stars. All, all of their symbols. Which, you know, it's funny. <laughs> we just talked about how much the sun means to me and... Nope, Tri-Delta, it's the crescent moon and stars. So well, you complete the solar system <laughs> yeah, with yeah, your membership. Yeah, there, there it is. So, yeah, absolutely. That's that's just I mean, and it's it's a they they raise so 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 much money for St. Jude. I mean, they'd have we, to to have buildings named yeah, after them on that campus. We um we raise the most out of any corporation for St. Jude annually. Um we just the reason we have a namesake uh, as large as the Tri-Delta Place on campus is because uh, we pledged to raise $60 million in 10 years. And within three years, we're over halfway to our goal. God. So um, since we partnered with St. Jude in 1999, and we have raised millions upon millions of dollars for the hospital. And I mean, obviously, as Emily just said, you know, if they've raised half of their goal in three years. They are <laughs> they they are on pace to to absolutely exceed that. Because I mean, three more years. That's six. They still have four years mm -hmm. out of the ten years. So that's that is <laughs> incredible. And, and, and absolutely incredible. As a woman looking for a place to go where you can express yourself and and be a strong woman and be a force in the world. I mean, so many people think that sororities are just girls. You know, I, you will never hear me say I'm a sorority girl. I'm a sorority woman mm. because we aren't just little girls who have frat parties and things like that. That's mm. not what we're about. We're here to make a difference in the world, and we are women who are changing lives every day by raising money for St. Jude, not to mention all the other philanthropies that we do, you know? So I just, our partnership with St. Jude is something that is so beautiful, and it's treasured on both sides. You know, being an ambassador for the hospital, I've been able to speak at um, Tri-Delta's um, 
collegiate training events and, and getting to see their love for St. Jude within my own chapter even. And then at St. Jude, knowing um, the CEO of ALSAC, Richard Shadiak, mm -hmm. and seeing his love for Tri-Delta, you know, like it, it's incredible to see our impact on all of these people and, and from every walk of life. It's, it's awesome. I'm very proud to be a Tri-Delta. Now, um, <clears throat> for you non-Greek people um, out there, uh, we, we can't, obviously, I can't from my fraternity, Emily can't from her sorority, we can't divulge any ritual things or even sometimes what our, you know, sort of mottos, you know, exactly mean, things like that. Mm -hmm. There's there's some anonymity to that. However, um, with within the Greek system, I can say this much as a scholar of religion, you know, there are... Um, an abundance of sort of spiritual um, components in every in every ritual and, mm -hmm. and and the meanings behind everything, which nicely dovetails into our into our next question for you. Um, I know for me at least, my my Saint Jude and Cancer experience um, not only revitalized my spiritual life, but overwhelmingly um, strengthened it. And I was just wondering if. You might share with us um, how your own experience might have impacted your spiritual life. Yeah, so, you know, it's kind of funny that the farther away I get from those beginning moments um, in my cancer journey, the more I think about them rather mm -hmm. than the months that followed. And one of the things that I, I always think about is when I told my mom to leave the room, you know, I'd been surrounded by people for probably three, four days at that point, nonstop, getting stuck by probably hundreds of needles and, and just having nurses come and check on me every four hours. And I just wanted a moment and I was like, just give me a minute. So, you know, I'm, I'm gracious that my mom gave me that time and she left the room and, um, I called her to come back in. And when she came in, she's like, is everything okay? I said, yeah, I just had a talk with the big man. She's like, who's, who's the big man? She's like, is that one of your friends? I'm like, no, like the big man. Like I just had to talk with God. She's like, Oh, okay. And, um, and I told her, you know, I told him that I'm not doing this alone, that I have hundreds of people praying for me right now. And he sent his only son, Jesus Christ down to earth to die on a cross for me so that I didn't have to suffer alone. Mm -hmm. Jesus didn't even have to carry his cross alone. So I'm not going to carry mine. That's right. And so, um, I, I think it was at that point, only four days into my journey, that I just accepted that this is what I was going to be experiencing and and that I knew I wasn't going to do it alone. And and I don't mean that in just physical ways. I mean spiritually where I've had this incredible support system that, you know, sometimes I, a lot of St. Jude families, I think, can agree with this. Sometimes when you go to the hospital, you just float. You know, like you don't even realize what's happening. You are just there and, and it's not even a going through the motions kind of thing because it's a fulfilling, but you're just like, you're just there floating on air. And I, and we attribute that to the people who prayed for me, you know? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I had asked for prayers before this appointment because it's the big one year off of chemotherapy. Right. And, and um, when you get off of chemotherapy, it's like you're losing this safety net because it's the only thing that's killing cancer cells in your body. Right. And so when, when that's taken away from you, and, and even though it's a celebration because it makes you feel so bad, you just wonder, without something stopping the cancer cells, when will it come back? You know, not if, it's always a when. When will it come back? Um, I'm going to interject really quick. Emily yeah. and I went to, went to lunch one day at uh, this great restaurant. I'm actually going, I'm going there tonight with my publicist. Um, it's called the Majestic Grill. And she and I went there, and uh, we were, we were chit-chatting about how... 
pervasive the fear with almost every St. Jude survivor, but especially with between Emily and I, we always have that constant. I'm I'm 20 years out, and I still every day wake up thinking this is the day that it's going to come back. Yeah, you I, know, I, I get a cold and go to the doctor. Yeah. I'm like, I don't, I do not, I'm not looking forward to those blood work results mm-hmm. every single time. Yeah, and so I relate to that, you know, on a on a personal level, and I mean, obviously, I want you to you know continue telling us what what you had to, but just. Know that, obviously, you already knew, but that's definitely something that is not, uh, you know, just an Emily thing. That's something that we all are concerned about. And especially having just had your one year, I can't imagine, even though I was one of your prayer warriors, I can't even imagine... You know the 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 anxiety um, that that went with that because again, when I was off of therapy, I was there from five to seven and a half, so I still wasn't even old enough to comprehend what a one year meant. Mm-hmm. You know, but I I wow yeah. And, so. and you know, in four months, it would make two full years that I've been getting stuck with a needle monthly, at mm-hmm. least once a month, mm-hmm. and and now. You know, I don't have to go to the doctor for another three months, hopefully. And that's, you know, if I get sick, I have to go to the doctor and get stuck. But, you know, praying that I don't get sick, then it's every three months, which is just such a huge relief. And it's a, a sense of freedom almost from from the captivity of a hospital. And um, But, yeah, I, I shared that on Facebook uh, amongst the people who have been supporting me since April 7, 2016, and be- even before then. And... Um, I reported that I was cancer-free and that I wouldn't be going to the doctor for three months. And I put that hashtag sunnier days and I had over 500 people react to that post, you know, and I don't even have cancer anymore. And those are just people that were saying, oh, thank goodness, like answered prayers and all these wonderful, beautiful things. And I I don't even know half of them. I, I couldn't point them out to you on the street, but they were all so sure that I was not going to be sick again. And I, for the first time a few weeks ago, um, I had seen a bruise on my leg, and I just glanced past it, and then I took a second, and I was like, oh, my goodness, I just saw a bruise, and I don't think I have cancer. Right. You know, it's Isn't like... A crazy like, kind of, yeah. It was like, oh, my yeah. goodness, like, for so long, every time I had a bruise, I was like, it's back, yep. you know? You just, you're like, okay, it's back, you know, like, how are we going to do it? And, and then I, I looked, and I was like wow, okay, like, I don't have cancer. I know I don't have cancer. Like, I trust that I don't have cancer. And um, it was so awesome. It was such a beautiful feeling. Yeah, I mean, to be able to get to that point where the first thought that comes to your mind isn't... Cancer. This bru- yeah, this <laughs> yeah. bruise means that it's back, yeah, you know? I yeah. mean, that's obviously... A, 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 that's, that is a sign that, you know, you've, you've not only, you know, healed physically, but you're also emotionally healing from the wounds, too. Yeah. You know, and, and I think that's that's... In some ways, uh, I mean, it's obviously the the physical pain and, and torture that we go through is is it's insurmountable. It's impossible for for those who've not experienced it to truly understand. But there is there is significant emotional scarring that that follows um, these diagnoses. You know, I mean, again, oh, yeah. twenty yeah. years out, and I'm still paranoid about it. Mm-hmm. You know, like oh, every yeah. doctor visit is just kind of like another. Yeah, another rehash there. Um, and, you know, the, and again, you know, it's just like you're setting up the end of your answers to just go on perfectly. With how, <laughs> like, this is, this is, this is, this is wild. Um, we're, we've talked so much about 
you know, the, the role that um, our cancer survival has played in, in, in both of our lives and particularly your story with St. Jude. Um, there's, a, there's a tendency, I'm sure you've noticed it, for a lot of individuals to, um, it's, a, it's kind of a new term, but to sort of pigeonhole us into being the, the cancer person, the, the cancer girl or the cancer guy, you know, rather than seeing the other important facets of our story. So I, I'm interested now, uh, apart from your cancer fight and survival, what are the other facets that make you truly Emily? Yeah, um, you know, there is that tendency to do that. And I think for a long time I kind of thought that, you know, I'm not just a girl with cancer. Cancer isn't who I am. It's just a part of me and who I am. Um, but I think I've kind of learned to embrace it because when people pigeonhole you, as you say, like mm. into that cancer girl or cancer boy whole, I took it to my advantage where these people wanted to know more about my cancer, but in learning about my cancer journey, they also learned so much about who I am, right. you know, that I wasn't going to just say, okay, I have cancer. I don't want to do this. You know, um, I, I think it's a deeply personal journey for every single person. And I've, just said, okay, if people are going to pay attention to me, then I'm going to show them me, you know, right. I, I'll tell them about my cancer. I'm happy to, and happy to share how wonderful St. Jude is and talk about how we need more research and all of these things. But, you know, I, I am so much more than cancer. I, it happened to me when I was 16. So in this time where you're supposed to have this self-discovery and all of these things, and I think it just all happened in such perfect timing. You know, now I'm in college and when everybody else is also figuring out who they are outside of their parents, outside of their friends from high school, I'm doing the same thing. Mm. Um, I think a lot of my first semester of college, which is over, I'm about to start <laughs> semester two. Um, <laughs> but, it, you know, I just kept reminding myself how it's hard. It's very hard your first semester at college, but I wasn't the only person going through that. We were all going through this transition phase into being an adult and being on our own and doing things for ourselves. It just so happened that for me, I'd been living with my mom in like a hotel size room for eight months, you know? Right. So it was a bigger jump to independence for me, but it, it was, I think people think that cancer defines us, but I think cancer really shows us who we are. Absolutely. If that makes any sense. Well, and you know? so on that level, I mean, you, you might you might argue that you might have been, for some people, even a step ahead of the game. Like, you might have already known a little more of your yeah. authentic self, yeah. you know, in um, that way. I think you, you have, one, so much time to do it, but, yeah. <laughs> you know, you're kind of forced to soul search when you're going through cancer because, I mean, about halfway through, I... I was in remission and all of these things, but the cancer really, I mean, the chemotherapy really started to take a toll on me. And, and I think once you're in cancer-free remission, it's all a mental game from there on out because you start, when there's no cancer to kill, you know, it, it, it really starts damaging your body and your healthy cells. So mm -hmm. I, I developed a chronic pain, um, neuropathy mm -hmm. and, um, and so that's something that I deal with every day and I've just accepted, you know, I think so much of this is acceptance and, and just knowing that one day I may wake up without pain. That's probably not going to happen. You know, I'm probably going to be in pain 
every day for the rest of my life. And that's okay. I can do that. I can do pain. I'm here. You know, I get to experience all these other wonderful things in life. And, you know, you know from being in Greek life, but my sorority is such a huge part of who I am. And it's helping me realize who I want to be. And, um, and when I was in the teen room at St. Jude, mm-hmm. um, which is also something that was funded by Tri-Delta. Well, of um, course it was. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, there was a, a sign on the wall, and it said, Perpetual Bond of Friendship with the Crescent, Moon, and Stars. And and all I can do is think about that little plaque, because I, I met one of my dear friends, Emma, there, and she passed away earlier, um, about in August of 2016, I mean, 17, um, excuse me, and uh, I just think about how perpetual bond of friendship, you know, I developed this friendship with her through cancer, I wouldn't have ever known her otherwise, and now that she's passed away, this bond goes past this earthly life, and I will always have that friendship with her, you know? Well, and there's something, you know, it, <laughs> it, this, is, this is one of those God things, you know, yesterday, uh, I was I was having kind of a kind of a, a dark moment yesterday, uh, thinking about um, one person in particular, but but really two that I've that I've lost, you know, and um, I read a lot of my favorite spiritual theologian is Henri Nouwen, who who writes a lot about the permanence of our love. Well, yesterday happened to be the, the Catholic feast day of the first ever American born saint, Elizabeth Ann Seton, and, and just for the for the sake of it, I'm gonna I'm gonna read you this, um, and you can you can attribute this or, or you know think of of Emma uh, you know when you hear this, but in a way maybe she sent this to you. All right, so this is from Saint Elizabeth Ann Seton, maybe possibly through your friend Emma as well. The accidents of life separate us from our dearest friends, but let us not despair. God is like a looking glass in which souls see each other. The more we are united to Him by love the nearer we are to those who belong to him also. I love that because Emma, whenever I look at a picture of Emma, it's like her eyes were so kind and so gentle and she was so God-fearing and she she loved God so much. Everything was about him and and she had a really awful cancer um, and, and she was in pain. I remember I, I went to visit her a couple times in her last few weeks and and just seeing her taking that pain and she would do i mean she would sit in the bed and just double over in the pain because the cancer just had taken over her body and she just kept going and mm-hmm. and that's why when people say they lost their battle to cancer no nobody ever loses their battle to cancer whether Amen. you survive and live this life or, or whether you go on to the next most beautiful life that we could ever imagine and go to be one with God again, this, you, you just don't lose to cancer. You, no. you take cancer, and, and Emma won her battle with cancer so beautifully. I mean, what better way to celebrate than with God himself? Right. You know? So 100%. I just, I do believe she sent that, and, and for you to <laughs> have read that yesterday and, and, I think everything is in his perfect timing, and so I just I really treasure that that perseverance, you know, and and that's something that I learned from her and, and every other child that I've met through cancer, whether they're living or or past. But you just you have to keep going, and whether that's keeping going 
through our eternal life, then then so be it. You know, the, I think the biggest lesson I've learned through grief is that um, I, I have an uncle who's a priest who passed away um, early 2016, and and we always talk about how he lived his dash. You know, mm-hmm. it, and so whether it's Austin who was four, or Aiden who was six, or Jason who is seven, it, they all lived their purpose and they lived this life. And and I think my friend Madison, who was 19, the first time I met her, I said, she doesn't want to do this. You know, she doesn't want cancer and that's okay. That was her choice. And 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 the days before she passed away, she looked at her family and she told them, I told God I want to go. Mm-hmm. I, do, I don't want to be in this pain anymore. You know, I, do, I don't want to do this anymore. And I just, what's more brave than accepting your own mortality? Right. You know? So. For, the, for those of you that don't know, uh, Emily used a, used a phrase that, that I, I really, really love, uh, to, to live your dash. So when, um, you know, we... we all of us have had to do this at one point or another when we've had to stroll through um, a cemetery or something like that, and we see the the markers, the grave markers, and, and we see a person's birth date, and then we see their, their date of passing. Well, usually always right in the middle of those two dates, there is a very tiny little line. It's a dash. To live your dash is to fully embrace all of the life that is in between those two dates. And so that's just a that's a phrase that um, you know I've I've heard only a, f- a handful of people use, and you're one of the handful of people that's <laughs> used that. But um, it's it's one that's sort of lost in our popular lexicon of, of mm-hmm. phraseology and things like that. And that's just one of the most beautiful yeah, and, ones. And I just I think for people to embrace that, and I people always talk about purpose, and cancer has given me more purpose than anything in my life. But you know I think people always say. Um, you know, they should have done this or they, they should have graduated high school and they should have gotten married. They should have had kids. And that was never written for them. God never meant for them to do those things. Austin was meant to turn four and be four forever in our hearts and minds. But every day, you know, I see people who talk about how much they loved Austin and the impact that she made on their lives. You know, so that's that's her purpose. That was her purpose. We never know. And it's so hard when you're grieving to just accept that. But I think you have to. That That's such a huge part of grieving. And, and I understand now that Austin's purpose was, you know, when you say why, why does this happen? That's why. Because you're questioning it. Because it's making you think and it's making you be more appreciative for this life that you've been given. And that's their purpose. So And Austin, I, I know exactly who you're talking about. She was also one of one of my uh chaplaincy patients as well. So I uh I remember her and her family very well. So um just flooding back the memories right now. But um uh <laughs> to sort of to sort of pull me back from the verge of, of, of my own tears here. Um Emily, we're, we're going to sort of close out now with one final question for you before we do our outro. Um, if you could send right now on these airwaves any message to the persons at St. Jude, or not even at St. Jude, but around the world who are, who are fighting right now to become what we are, to become survivors, what message would you send them? 
you're already a survivor. From the day you were diagnosed with cancer, you are already a survivor. And every single day that you fight, you're surviving. Um, so welcome to the Survivors Club because you're already in it. You know, 100%. So, Amen. Um, whether you are in a position of Madison where you just don't want to fight anymore or you're in a position like mine where I just wasn't ready to go yet because I could have. I could have said, I don't want to do this and, and passed, but I didn't want to. And I think, you know, as God will tell you what your purpose is and what you need to do, but I encourage you to fight because as hard as life is after cancer, I promise you every second is worth it. And there are many people who love you, no matter how alone you feel, or if you feel like the most loved person in the world, there are people who are rooting for you. And and if nobody's ever told you it, I'm telling you right now that I'm rooting for you, and, and you can beat this. 100%. I'm going to second that. <laughs> I'm going to second that as well. As, 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 another, as another survivor myself, also, you know, welcome to the club. Each day that you're holding on, each day that you're fighting, you're, you're a member of the club. You are, as she said, you are surviving. So absolutely welcome to it. Fight on. Fight the good fight. That's, that's, that's what we are called to do. We are called to fight the good fight. And, you know, we can, we can use this fight. We can use these things for greater good, not just the greater good of God, but the greater good of all the people that God created who are going through the same thing. And that's um, really what my goal was in... Um, in my 20th year in, in uh, writing and publishing uh, this new book, um, which, by the way, is called Cross of a Different Kind, Cancer and Christian Spirituality. Um, 100% of all the proceeds are donated back to St. Jude. Currently available on Amazon um, for pre-order. It's uh, available everywhere uh, for full order um, on January 22nd of 2018, uh, this show, I believe I told you, airs the 17th, 18th, what did I say? 18th. 18th, thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, we're airing, obviously, the 18th, and um, so in a couple of days, it'll be fully available. Um, well, also, I don't know if you know this, but today, um, the founder of our hospital, Danny Thomas, it's his birthday. Today? Mm-hmm. Well, of course it is, <laughs> because again, no coincidences. That's that's yep. of course. So well, that's uh, yeah. So happy birthday, Danny! Happy birthday, Danny! <laughs> Absolutely, that's <laughs> that is wild. Wow. Um, so you know, this is this has been a, a fantastic episode, Emily, and I'm really really grateful that you joined us to Thank talk you. about this and uh, the show. Like I say, just went really well, and and uh, again, she's got that. Uh, that sunny personality. Uh, that's that's probably we've probably kept y'all, we've probably kept y'all in either either tears or in stitches of laughter throughout this episode, and that's, <laughs> that shows you that the content is good. So, um, with that said, uh, for Miss Emily Hines, for all of us at the Eternal Insight Network, I am Anthony Marinese, and I want to uh, tell you all, as always, to be blessed. Have a great day. Bye bye. Oh.